Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 446. Welcome in. A couple things. It's probably painfully obvious if you're listening. No music today. Uh, I am not at 100%. I I am, in fact, very, very sick. I'm on a lot of, um, you know, Sudafed and... You know, I'm, I'm drinking as much of the, uh, what do you call this, the um, vitamin C drink as you can. It's nasty, but, you know, you put it in a bottle, you mix it up, makes you feel a little better. Uh, doing the best I can. I couldn't hit the, my, oh, my, the high notes. I don't think I could have done that. Uh, it'll be a pretty low-key, uh, very low-decibel episode of Strong Opinion Sports. Today, of course, we are breaking down. Wild card weekend, day number one, Saturday. There were two games. We'll also talk about Mitchell Trubisky at the end. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Let's jump in. In the first wild card game of the weekend, the Bengals beat the Raiders 26 to 19. And there's a lot to talk about. It's not all good. I'm going to warn you now. There's maybe a blemish on this game that will be uh, something that makes me sad for a long time. It's just like a, a little thing. I'm like, ah, it's, it almost was a complete experience, but it's not quite there. Uh, the game overall was pretty good, but I want to just start by praising Joe Burrow, the Bengals quarterback. I, every time I watch this guy, I just feel it's so much fun to watch him. He's so confident and comfortable. And um, I, you know, he's got this audacity. Like he's like, I don't care if you cover Jamar Chase perfectly. I'll still fit it in. I'll throw a perfect throw and you can't defend a perfect throw. And uh, let, let's acknowledge what happened because the Bengals won their first playoff game since 1990. It's been 31 years, and it was really cool to see a home playoff win in Cincinnati. Like, ah, not only did they win their first playoff game in a long time, they did it at home. I love that. I really, it, it was such a cool moment for the city for the fan base, uh, validating of what management has done. And you know what I thought of when I was watching this game? Joe Burrow in 2020 was a number one overall pick. And in two years now, since then, he's won the AFC North, a division title, and won a playoff game in Cincinnati. Not only did he do it for the franchise, period, he also did it at home. And I think of guys like, you know, Matthew Stafford is a former number one overall pick. He was drafted by the Detroit Lions. He spent years in Detroit. He never won a playoff game and never won his division. That's one number one overall pick. How about another one? Probably very familiar to Cincinnati, Carson Palmer. The Bengals drafted him number one overall, and he never won a playoff game for the Cincinnati Bengals. How about uh, Jameis Winston, a former number one overall pick, a guy who... And Tampa not only couldn't turn things around, never won a playoff game, never even made it to the playoffs. He had one winning season. They went nine and seven. That's it for Jameis. Or think of other disappointing number one overall picks. You know, Jamarcus Russell is an obvious one. I also think of like Sam Bradford, a guy who I thought had a promising career who never could get going because of injuries. And and my point is there's so many – there's a lot of – you know, Cam Newton's a big success story. There's guys who've been number one overall picks who've been very, very successful for sure. Peyton Manning's another one, right? But there have also been a lot of guys who were drafted number one overall who not only haven't been – some guys haven't been successful. Some guys were good. Like Matthew Stafford was a good quarterback. 
but he still wasn't enough to be able to actually turn around a bad franchise and bad organization. And oh my goodness, what Joe Burrow has done in two years in Cincinnati is outstanding. Like, yeah, the rest of the team is good too, by the way. They put some talent around Joe. I want to give a shout out to Duke Tobin, the guy, director of player personnel. Basically, he's the you know, general manager of the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, he's built a good team around Joe Burrow. Like, you know, they got Jamar Chase. They did a couple, you know, they, for example, they built the defensive line. They, they brought in Trey Hendrickson, BJ Hill, Larry Ogunjobi. They built a good defensive line around Sam Hubbard, who they already had. So I don't want to pretend that Joe Burrow has no help at all. Um, I also want to praise the management in Cincinnati. They built a good football team. So, hey, I've done that. The team is good. But let's be clear about one thing. Um, Everything going on in Cincinnati, without Joe Burrow, they'd be nothing. Denver's a team that's really good on paper. But they don't have a quarterback. And they went 7-10. and Coach got fired. Did not make the playoffs at all. And the impact Joe Burrow has had. Yeah, again, the team around him is good, but you need way more than just a good football team. You need a good quarterback. And the amount of times in my notes that I write can't stop a perfect throw when I watched Joe Burrow was unbelievable because he had a throw down the seam on, I think it was second and 11 to CJ Uzoma, where he threw it right behind the back of a linebacker into this tiny little window to his tight end. And you're like, well, I guess... You know, it, he doesn't, you know, Joe Burrow doesn't need receivers to actually be open. He just needs a defender to be not draped all over the guy. If you leave a six inch window, he'll find a way to fit it in. It's unbelievable. Or some of the back shoulder fades he throws to Jamar Chase. You're like, what? By the way, Jamar Chase, nine catches, 116 yards. Um, look, I, I'm so happy Cincinnati won. It's a cool story. The turnaround of an organization, I, I love it, man. Like, how can you not appreciate what Joe Burrow has done in Cincinnati? Turned around a football team that was a laughingstock in the NFL and made them now not only a division winner, but a, a playoff game winner. That's really cool. I will say, however, there is one small stain on the outcome of this game, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow made this crazy good play. He's rolling to his right. He's about to run out of bounds. And right before he steps out of bounds, he throws the ball to the end zone. It gets caught for a touchdown by Tyler Boyd. Now, unfortunately, right before, and I mean like the ball is three feet from Tyler Boyd's hands. Right before Tyler Boyd catches the ball, there was a random, and the technical word that's used by the NFL is an inadvertent whistle that blew on the play. And the whistle blew while the ball was in the air. So in theory, maybe the Raiders defender eased off his coverage a little bit. And maybe you could have made a play on the ball if the whistle hadn't been blown a little bit early. Well, I will admit, watching on TV, uh, it sounded like the the whistle blew maybe a millisecond before the ball was caught. I don't think it was enough time for a defender to really hear it, process it, and react to, oh, I should probably stop playing. I think, especially in the NFL, guys tend to play until they're certain the play is over and you're throwing the ball to my end zone, I'm going to knock it down. I don't I don't know that a defender could have made a play on the ball even if the whistle hadn't been blown early, if that makes any sense. However, uh, so I think it would have been a touchdown either way. 
But I really don't like that technically that play should not have been a touchdown because what it does is, you know, I was rooting for Cincinnati to win this football game. And it's a victory I really, really wanted to enjoy that's been – the victory's been tainted just a little bit with a play that probably shouldn't have been a touchdown. You know, the Bengals won by seven points, and the margin of victory was that illegitimate touchdown on a play that, by rule, if there's a whistle that's inadvertent, you can't score on that play. And I'm like, man, I just wanted to watch the Bengals win and enjoy the victory guilt-free. Like, oh, awesome. I don't really care. It's well, There is still this play, though, where I'm like, you know, the win is a little less sweet now because of that wrong call made by the refs. Did, did Cincinnati really deserve it? Yeah, we can get into that. But I would feel totally robbed if I was a Raiders fan. And you could argue that that touchdown, which, by the way, that touchdown happened on third down. So the Bengals probably would have settled for a field goal if they hadn't gotten a touchdown on that play. You could argue that touchdown changed the entire game. It gave Cincinnati a 20-6 to lead. And then from that moment on, the Raiders were constantly playing catch-up, trying to stay within striking distance of Cincinnati. And that moment, I, I'm not going to lie, hearing, you know, after the game, the NFL came out and said, like, yeah, that, that shouldn't have been a touchdown. Made me go like, mm, man. That moment really just kind of ruined the win a little bit for me. And look, I mean, the Raiders had a bunch of penalties. The Raiders had two turnovers where Cincinnati had zero. And, you know, a game is determined by way more than just one play. There's always people that point to like, oh, there's only one play that went wrong. It's like, well, you're lying because every game has a bunch of stuff go wrong. And every team could always be a little bit better in every category to try to help you win a football game. But maybe for someone rooting for Cincinnati, right? Oh, it's just one play. That's You can write it off that way. But I just – I can only imagine how screwed over a Raiders fan might feel. I will say, though, it was a great game. It came down to the final minute. Uh, the Raiders did have the ball at the end with a chance to tie the game. To me, that's a perfect ending. Like, look, it's, it's a the, – the team I wanted to win won. It was fun. It was competitive. It was way better than the – the Patriots-Bills game, and that's all you really want. And so let's end this segment by talking about the Raiders for a moment because what the Raiders pulled off in order to make the playoffs in spite of all of the crazy things that happened to this team off the field, I just, man, I, I really appreciate what the Raiders did this year, them making the playoffs, the story, the leadership from Derek Carr. And by the way, Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, he gets a lot of hate. He gets a lot of people. They, oh, he's missing throws. Like, he, guys, um, Derek Carr, in critical key moments, at the end of games, third down, fourth down, game on the line, Derek Carr is throwing passes to Deshaun Jackson, a guy who was not even on the team until midway through the year. That's a guy that Derek Carr's had to build chemistry with as the year has been going on. Like, he didn't have an offseason to work with Deshaun Jackson, get on the same page. Like, there's a throw he made on a fourth down across the middle to Deshaun Jackson where 
Derek Carr looked hesitant. Like, he throws the ball, but you can see he's kind of guiding it, like hoping he doesn't overthrow Deshaun Jackson because he might have never, ever thrown that exact route to Deshaun Jackson before. I mean, that people aren't realizing how much the Raiders had to cobble together an offense to build and kind of put together what was left by all the people that left and all the stuff that happened. Um, you know who really, really needs to be appreciated? It's Rich Basaccia, the interim head coach, who might go from – Interim head coach to the permanent head coach in Vegas for the Raiders. I just, I did not think this was going to be a, a success story at all with him. And I still don't know they should hire him to be their head coach. They should definitely interview other people. And then if they interview people and they still like Rich, Rich Basacci the most, they should go with him then. But I think listen to your options. There's nothing wrong with interviewing people and getting a read on, is my guy really that great? But I really respect what the Raiders did this year. Uh, it's a job well done. They really, I thought, salvaged their year better than most teams even can do. It, you know, the Raiders, quote, salvaging their year, you know, whatever that looks like. Them going 10-7, and seven, making a playoff game is better than most teams do in a year where they're having a good year. So, um, just a hey, round of applause for the Raiders. Great year for them. And uh, maybe not great year. Because it wasn't truly a great year for the Raiders. It was kind of a an ugly, sad year, but an impressive year and a year that I I respect what the Raiders were able to put together after all they went through, if that makes any sense. Because I just was like, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs, let alone um, you know, be competitive. And they were both competitive and almost won and did make a playoff game. And they just won. They beat the Colts down the stretch. They beat the Chargers down the stretch, eliminated both of them. You got to really admire and respect what the Raiders did this year in 2021. All right, let's now talk about Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills just dominated the Patriots during their wild card game. The Bills won 47 to 17. Uh, they led at halftime 27 to 3. I actually kind of made a joke. I was like, hey, you know, it's a good thing you got your extra point blocked because. You wouldn't want to lead the Patriots 28-3 to because we all know what happened when Atlanta led the Patriots 28-3. to I know, but for real, the minute the Patriots went down 20-0, to you know, extra point blocked or not, I'm like, this game's over. I went, oh my gosh, like, you know, the way the Bills are moving the ball and what the Patriots have done so far, I mean, it was very clear early on I got this game totally wrong. I, believe it or not, I predicted the Patriots to win, and I thought it would be a close game. And both were, like, way off. It was not a close game, and Buffalo won by a lot. They, they put up seven touchdowns in one game, just bang, bang, bang. Didn't have to kick a field goal the entire time. I, I really did believe that the Patriots' defense was going to challenge Josh Allen. And I even said that Josh Allen would struggle to throw the football you know, I blamed the cold, but I thought the Patriots defense would have something to do with that. Uh, here's the reality. Josh Allen did not struggle at all. Josh Allen was 21 for 25 passing for 308 yards, five, five passing touchdowns, and he had zero turnovers. By the way, he also ran for like 66 yards rushing. It's crazy to me. And again, I, I really did think that the Patriots defense is going to challenge him a little bit. They've, it's the third time they've played him this year. I'm like, okay, they got a lot of film on the guy. They know what to expect from Josh Allen. 
Plus, it's the cold. I, for some reason, I'm like, oh, the cold will impact Josh Allen. <laughs> so wrong. I, I'm so wrong. I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking. Um, it was total domination from the Buffalo Bills. It was unbelievable. And by the way, Josh Allen keeps having games like this where. You know, and this is happening more and more. I think back to, you know, week five when they beat Kansas City or week 12. Um, Those are two of the best games of the year from Josh Allen. And these insane performances Josh Allen's putting together are getting more and more common. And it's eventually going to elevate because as this happens more and more frequently, where he's really efficient, making high level throws and doing crazy stuff with his arm and with his legs and just putting up highlight-level plays constantly. But it's not just the highlights. Because any you know, if you're really talented, you can put up good plays, but it's the, the level of consistency where you got four incompletions and throw for 300 yards and five touchdowns. Like, that's a different kind of day. That's an Aaron Rodgers-level day. That's when you start getting talked about as – not just a great quarterback, and, and, and you know, people, Josh Allen's a great young quarterback, ooh, but we're getting close to the territory where we should probably be saying uh, Josh Allen's an elite quarterback. We're like, we're getting really close to that because his consistency level is what's going through the roof, and uh, it's crazy. Look, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the Patriots and Bill Belichick were eliminated, and I'm sad we're not going to get to see Bill versus Brady in the Super Bowl. However, we might get to see the Bills against Brady in the Super Bowl. We'll see how the Eagles game goes. I I don't think that Philadelphia is going to knock Tom Brady out of the playoffs, although crazier things have happened. But imagine getting to see Bills Mafia against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. That would be awesome. It'd be kind of like watching two old rivals Meeting again, you know, the the Bills and their old rival, the Patriots. And by the way, I had this crazy thought. Think about this. I, I've i really thought that Tom Brady had benefited the most from Tom Brady leaving the Patriots and going to Tampa. But I'm starting to think that on top of Tom Brady really benefiting from that move, clearly Buffalo also really benefited from that move. They won the division now twice since Tom Brady left, both years since he's been gone. And I believe they beat the Patriots now four times, which is more than maybe they ever beat Tom Brady. Like, it's crazy what's going on. I mean, think of the opportunity that has been afforded to Buffalo now that Tom Brady's gone and the Patriots dynasty is weakened and the Bills are peaking at the right time. And I I, like, I, I don't really know what's going to happen on the road to the Super Bowl, who's going to make it, who's not. But if Buffalo makes it, and I'll be very happy. I, I really like what they're doing. Uh, I, I fear they're going to lose their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, after this year. And so for him to get kind of one final shot with his team and get the unfinished business finished and try to win a Super Bowl in Buffalo, that would be really, really cool. And, and by the way, if Buffalo does not win a Super Bowl, which would be heartbreaking, they lost four in a row in the 90s. But can you imagine the only thing worse than Buffalo losing another Super Bowl is if they lost another Super Bowl to Tom freaking Brady. Can you imagine the hate, anger, and sadness that would come out of Buffalo? Of course, Tom Brady once again. Can you imagine that? I I kind of can't, but it would be crazy. Um, also, like, I wish I could tell you, 
you know, here's the reason why the Patriots lost to Buffalo. But uh, look, when you lose 47 to 17, it's a long list. Like the Patriots got dominated by one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Josh Allen. And you know, there was a moment where I thought this was going to be a great game. There's a moment where the Bills were up 7 to nothing, and the Patriots got the ball for the first time. And the the Patriots were driving, and uh, you know there was like a third and fourteen where Mac Jones extended a play. He never runs ever, but he rolled right, extended a play, threw to Hunter Henry for thirty one yards. And later on a third and ten, Mac Jones ran for a first down. And you're like, hey, Mac Jones is stepping up. It's going to be a different kind of game. Back and forth, two offenses trading blows, and then Mac threw the ball to the end zone. Micah Hyde picked it off. Um, and the Bills took the ball from there, got a 14-0 lead. Patriots got the ball again. They punted. Bills score again. They're up 20 to nothing. And by the time it was 20 to nothing, I'm just like, it's over. I really, at the pace that <laughs> the Bills are scoring at will on this defense in New England. Um, my gosh. I mean, look, the Patriots did score twice in the second half. They, they tried. And, and really, you got to give a lot of credit to New England because when you're down – you know, 47 to 10, what's the, the incentive to keep fighting? But for their pride, they really just kept going. And until the very end, New England was giving it everything they had, which you have to respect and admire. Uh, but this was all Buffalo. And there's not much more to be said. Like I, I, I could go around in circles. going like, Oh, Oh, but the reality is that the Patriots got their butts kicked. And uh, I gotta say, I, I would imagine that Bill's fans are, incredibly happy. Not only because you won a playoff game at home, but you did it against your bitter old rival, the Patriots, who, by the way, the Patriots for years, they may not have Tom Brady anymore, but that's still the same dang fan base and people that have talked smacked us for year after year after year. And finally, the Bills got their revenge, beat them in the playoffs, knocked them out. And I, I can only imagine that not only was it great to win a playoff game, but for Bills fans, it was a little bit better because it was against the Patriots. All right. Uh, one topic left today. It's been a very short show intentionally. I've had to cut out probably like 10 minutes of it. If, if the show was like 17 minutes, it's because I cut out 10 minutes of, of me coughing and like, you know, it's, it's awful. Um, seriously, I've had, to, I've had to make so many cuts where I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not – I hope I hope I'm hiding it well. Um, I hope that me being sick doesn't sound too obvious when I. I don't know. Let's move on. A bunch of stuff recently came out detailing the relationship between former Bears head coach Matt Nagy and his former quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. So the long version made short is that. They did not have the best relationship. They didn't get along very well. And uh, one standout story is, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that's all these details everywhere. But the one that really stood out to me was that after the 2019 season, Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy had a meeting plan to figure out the new plan for the future and, you know, to maybe fix some of the old problems with Chicago and, and be better moving forward. Kind of a game plan, like what are we going to do, what changes are we going to make, and how are we going to be better for next year? And Mitchell Drabisky had prepared for the meeting. He had a bunch of notes brought and was ready to go. 
and apparently Matt Nagy never came. He no-showed. He didn't come at all. And maybe part of that is because he, in his head, had moved on and said, I'm I'm done working with Mitch. I'm done building with Mitch. We're going to replace him anyway. I guess maybe. Um, but regardless, that's wrong. Like, you, you have a meeting with a guy, you follow up, especially a guy who's clearly trying to get better and eagerly trying to improve as your quarterback. And honestly, I, I'm reading there, – there's a bunch of stuff on the, the Athletic, and I, I'm, I'm reading information everywhere about Trubisky and Matt Nagy. And I think the big question for me I'm asking is, like, why is this all coming out now? Why is Trubisky sharing some of these details? Like, what what's the strategy here? It's very obvious. Mitchell Trubisky wants another shot. Uh, and you can't really blame the guy. He never really had a coach who believed in him or wanted him. And what Trubisky is saying is, look, guys, my coach was horrible. And frankly, teams that don't have a quarterback like Denver, New Orleans, Pittsburgh, Big Ben's going to be gone, Washington, the Giants, Carolina. It can't hurt you at all to invite Mitchell Trubisky to training camp. What do you have to lose? If you don't have a quarterback— Maybe Mitch is the answer. I'm not saying he is, but I I really am starting to, as much as watching Mitchell Trubisky for years drove me nuts, I'm willing to say, hey, let's give the guy another shot. I'm I'm very open-minded. I love the quarterback position, and I I feel horrible at the thought that Mitchell Trubisky truly never got a real shot with a coach who believed in him or liked him or even gave him, like, a fair opportunity, right? And I I don't know. Um... (laughs) <laughs> if you have a coach who, if you're trying to get better and your coach isn't even willing to work with you, like, what do you, how, that's such a horrible situation. I feel bad for Mitch. And, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Trubisky get another shot again, Pittsburgh, Denver, Carolina. What else do you, you're going to give Sam, like give Sam Darnold someone to, com- to compete against Sam Darnold and Cam Newton and Mitchell Trubisky all in the same training camp. May the best man win. That sounds chaotic and interesting. I'm down for that. Or maybe, you know, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, is going to leave Buffalo, and he'll take Trubisky with him. Maybe Trubisky is not his franchise quarterback, but he knows the offensive system already. So that, hey, week one, you can have a starting quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, who's ready, who knows the offense, and then say you dropped a guy—say he goes to the Giants, right? Trubisky's their quarterback week one— they draft Matt Corral, but it's going to take a while before, before Matt Corral is ready to be a starting quarterback. So you let Corral sit behind Trubisky for a little while, then replace him with Corral when he's ready. Something like that. You never know. But I, I'm totally here for watching Mitchell Trubisky get another opportunity somewhere else. I, I, I really don't hate that thought. I always thought I would. I never, ever would thought would have thought that I'm, I'd be open to the idea of Trubisky getting another shot. But... Based on all the stuff I heard about Matt Nagy, it sounds like he got a pretty raw deal. And uh, I, I really um, – and on top of that, like, who cares? Like, I'm always down for – to give a person another opportunity to say, like, hey, I'm different. I've grown. I've gotten better. Uh, Trubisky's now spent a year not as a starter, learning from Josh Allen in a different environment. You get a lot better when you have time to think and reflect and learn from other people and – I don't know. I'm really just I'm open to the idea of Mitchell Trubisky getting another shot to compete somewhere. And uh, again, if you're Washington, the Giants, Carolina, Denver, like 
what do you have to lose? Bring the guy into training camp, and if nothing else, you cut him. Best case scenario, he's your franchise quarterback, and it's exactly what you need. So you never know. And I, uh, I like the thought of Trubisky getting a second opportunity. All right, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Enjoy the wild card games today. I'm going to take care of my throat. I'll be recording Sunday night. I love you. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done.